welcome to the Hillington Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust podcast. Hello, so joining me today is Matthew Page, who's the Deputy Chair of our Disability and Wellbeing Network, and Dar Danny Karastinas, who is the Trust Diversity and Inclusion Lead. And we are going to be talking a bit about accessibility and where we might be able to do more to improve the experience for both staff members and our service users. So um, just to start us off, what, what is accessibility and what is that all about? Hi, and so yeah, so um, thanks for having me on this podcast today. So I think in terms of accessibility, in, in terms of um, I suppose what the definition is, uh, I suppose it's having the the ability to um, access something if there's a barrier to to what it is you want to access. So if if it's accessible, that means those barriers have been removed. Um, and it's it's available for people to access. So, so that's 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 my that's my opinion of what accessibility is. And um, so, what what kind of barriers might there be to someone accessing something? Um, well, if we're being specific to the workplace, it could be barriers to um, accessing the right support, and support could be um, is is multifaceted. So, it could be support with accessing the technology you need in terms of to do your job it could be um, the ability to access a particular service if something's in the not if something isn't in the right format if you're a patient or if you're a member of staff and that needs to be um, accessible to you to read if it's not obviously in the right language potentially as well um, so kind of some examples of where there could be barriers obviously there could be different types obviously there's lots of different types of disabilities um, whether it's a sensory or physical, um, so you might need ramps or certain doors or certain pieces of equipment. Um, and those bits of equipment can actually support patients and staff, I suppose, if you're in a, in a staff toilet or, or a patient toilet, um, which supports those persons with a disability. Obviously, certain pieces of equipment might need to, to be in place to, to provide that um, those services for people to access. Brilliant. So. In terms of our trust, what kind of support do we already have in place? So what can you access if you have some of those barriers? So I think um, talking from personal experience, there are there are obviously there's occupational health. So obviously when you um, as a point of contact, obviously when you uh, go through the recruitment process and you apply for an interview, there are many opportunities for someone to disclose their disability and that triggers um, occupational health to get involved if you if you want to disclose that information um, but if you feel like um, disclosing that would some way um, impede your progress or that's something, something you didn't feel comfortable in sharing at the time then you still can access support through occupational health on 3313 um, and make a self-referral to occupational health and they can support you through that obviously you, you can always go through your manager as well if you feel comfortable to talking with them about that um are there any other kind of activities or less formal routes for people to get um support with the trust so the, the there is the disability and well-being network and there is the well-being hubs the well-being hub's got a, a host of tools which is on the internet um and that's constantly being developed um and I know Elaine Hotson is a, is a good point of contact for that. 
Um, obviously, we, we've got an equality diversity lead in Danny as well. So these are the kind of the two people. Um, and I know Danny uh, frequents the canteen um, and has like a drop-in session as well. Um, otherwise, um, there, there is network pages on the trust internet where you can kind of send us an email and we can obviously try and support you with that query. But obviously, as us as a network, we're, we're here to kind of um, provide advice and signposting rather than trying to, to come up with um the personal solution for you um and obviously we've got experience that the, the, the committee members and the people within the network do have experience um to bring um, but ultimately it's up, it's up to the person to self-refer and to support the kind of the formal um processes to get that help if needed so where do you think there might be opportunities for all of us to do a bit more in terms of making the trust more accessible to a range of people yeah, so there's, there's obviously there's, there's a big launch of Access Able recently, but um, there's a collaboration with CNWL um, and um, they're, they're wanting to get involved and share what they're doing with their networks. Um, and it was an email actually this morning um, from one of their, their leads there um, in occupational health and they were wanting to... Um, yeah, just do a, like a benchmarking project to see where we're at, what we're doing well, and obviously what they're currently doing well to see where we could improve on. Um, I think one of the things which came up in the email was they've got they've got a member of staff in IT there who actually processes um, requests for accessible technology for their staff. Um, and obviously at the minute, in terms of to get to that point here, there's nothing formally in place you've got to go for an access to work assessment and just speaking from experience um, I've had, a, I've had two completed at this trust um, it's, it's a very long-winded process to get something which is is ultimately the, the trust funds 80% of it anyway so trying to kind of put a, put a focus on that particular area I think um, isn't necessarily a massive additional cost to the trust but could it, it would provide staff support um, sooner and obviously allow them to to, to, to to fulfill their potential within their roles. That's really interesting. So that's something that's come out of a collaborative approach with other organisations. Um, I think the other thing I'd quite like to touch on is you, you talked a little bit about disabilities. Um, and one thing that I've noticed is that quite often the gap between the number of people who report having a disability and the number of people we know have a condition that could fall under that barrier is quite different. Um, so is accessibility just about like, having a visible disability that you um, are very comfortable disclosing or are there other things that you could request if you find there's a barrier? Um, I can only speak from experience and obviously what, what I, I am aware of but, but I think that's more of a, a, a where occupational health would step in because obviously there are hidden disabilities where it's like a mental health or there's underlying conditions where you you might not necessarily visibly see that some, someone has an impairment um, or a disability so uh, I'm just trying to get your question are you about to put it another way please Anne? Yeah I think I'm I'm really asking are there um, conditions that people might not consider a disability themselves where oh, so it could be dyslexia support. or something. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I know that Danny's um, involved in some training. Whether that's something Danny wants to share? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Matthew, we do have training for different um, elements of um, of disability and we do awareness trainings as well, awareness days. And obviously, if staff would like to book a training uh, with me, more than happy to go and have a bespoke tailor training with the team as well. Thank you. Brilliant, thank you very much. Um, I think really just to finish off, um, what what would an ideal um, like workplace look like in terms of things being accessible for you? I think it's just having that confidence when you're coming into a job uh, or a new role, um, and that the the manager has has the awareness and the confidence because I think it all comes down to training, doesn't it? You need strong processes and and of not necessarily policies, but you need things in place which um, managers are aware of and and things are triggered so when you come into a new role you know when you start you can start on the on, on the right foot rather than trying to always play catch up I think that's potentially the point where we need to work towards because there's still quite a big delay in um, if you're obviously if you're not wanting to disclose a disability at the point of interview or when you're completing your application to actually when you're in the role and that's where there's a little bit of it's a bit of a gray area at the moment trying to get those those staff who haven't disclosed something and we need to kind of promote and be aware and get those get this um get the available options and support out for those those staff who haven't kind of disclosed at, the, at that point i think that's what we're trying to push and focus on at the moment Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been really, really helpful. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Please do join in the conversation about this episode. Tag us in social media and uh, send us any other comments and let us know your thoughts and we'll see you next time.